Are you a first-time mom wondering if you could have a home birth? You've been hearing so many things, but you're really just looking for a story to encourage you to pursue the dream that's been on your heart, to birth in the safety and the comfort of your own home. Well, today my guest shares the importance of building your village and planning for the best postpartum experience. She shares important advice for the first-time mom about birth from her perspective of being in the medical field. Now, COVID was a big wake-up call to many moms. It became an opportunity to pursue the dream of home birth on their heart because the protocols at many hospitals were just causing women to second guess their decision to birth at the hospital. Now, Natasha was one of those women who took the leap with her first baby to have a birth at home. She is a great storyteller, and I just know you're going to love how she recaps her birth. But before we get into the show, I do want to ask you from the bottom of my heart, it would mean the absolute world to me, and I truly do need you to help spread the message of home birth. So would you just take a minute, scroll down, to where it says write a review, leave a five-star written review, and share this episode with a friend. Let's normalize birth and encourage others to follow the dream God has placed on your heart to birth at home. Now, if you need some help preparing or making a decision to birth at home, schedule a free 15-minute call with me just to talk about your options. I'll help you find the next best step for you. So schedule today by going to bit.ly slash 15confidence. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic c-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless c-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that his divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of his love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose. And I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here, we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. 
Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to get to hear your story today of a first-time mom choosing home birth. I think this is something that a lot of women are fearful of. They're like, how can I even go about choosing a home birth if I'm a first-time mom? Like, I don't know if it's going to work okay. So they kind of choose that safety of the hospital. So I'm really looking forward to hearing you know, how you came to that decision and just hearing your story. I know it's going to be so helpful for so many. So before we get into that, would you just share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to tell you my story. Um, And yeah, so I'm a wife of uh, seven, almost eight years, and I have a daughter who's almost two, and I'm pretty much a stay-at-home mom. I do, you know, a couple little odd jobs here and there, Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit about me, and I blog on the side too. I love it. I love it. Okay, so would you just set the stage for us, okay? First-time mom, what was going on almost two years ago <laughs> that yeah. made you kind of consider home birth? Or was have you had you thought about having a home birth previously, or was this new? Yeah, so I will say my mom, so I'm the oldest of five girls and no boys. So, you know, we kind of have a big family. Somebody's always crying for good or bad reasons because we're all girls. And um, anyways, yeah, so my youngest sister is 12 years younger than me. And my mom had, um, so she had epidurals with all of us in the hospital setting. And then with the last one, she decided, you know what, I'm going to go to a birth center. I don't want to be hooked up to anything and I want to have a water birth. And so that's what she did. And she loved it. And she's like, oh my gosh, I wish I did it with all of you guys. Cause it was just such a good experience. So ever since she, I guess, like had that attitude towards birth, I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to do a water birth when my time comes. But you know, I never considered a home birth ever. I was like, no, that is not for me. That's for the hippies. That's <laughs> not something I do. <laughs> um, So yeah, so fast forward, you know, uh, I worked in the medical field for a bunch of years. I was in nursing school and COVID happened. So I worked all through COVID. I worked in COVID ICU. I worked in the ER and, you know, the whole thing was just so insane and crazy on so many different levels. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, my husband and I, we decided that we wanted to start our family, even though it was all crazy. And so, yeah, I got pregnant and I decided that I didn't want to get the vaccine. So I was fired. I couldn't finish school, even though I just had a semester left to get my RN. And so that kind of had me, you know, the wheels were churning and I was like, I really don't know if I like our modern medicine. I just, I don't know if I like it anymore. Um, because I mean, that's a whole other topic, but just seeing COVID and how things were handled, I was like, I just don't know if this is the place for me. So yeah. And then after talking to a lot of friends that gave birth at the local hospital that was closest to us, um, you know, like pushing with a mask on 
and oh, your O2 stat is kind of low. Let's put a nasal cannula and give you some O2 and then put the mask on top of it. Like, you know, even though they they had tested negative. So things like that, it just like, there was no logic anymore. And so, yeah, I just started trying to research like, okay, what are my options? And I had a friend who was pregnant at the time, but she lived in a different state. She told me she was going to have a home birth. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. That's a little bit too much. And she told me, why don't you watch the business of being born? And I was like, hmm, okay, I will. So my husband and I did, and we kind of looked at each other and we were like, okay, I think this is what we should do. So yeah, in light of COVID, I kind of felt like having a home birth probably was my best bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you and many other women, I know there was a huge increase. I kept getting messages like, how can I do this? <laughs> you know? And yeah, I think it woke a lot of people up to some things that were not making complete sense in the hospital. And I mean, like you were saying with the mask and the oxygen, and it's like, you need oxygen in order to birth a healthy baby. Like Mm -hmm. putting something over your face isn't going to be the most helpful. So, um, I know one thing for a lot of first time moms is they feel like they need to have a a test run to make sure that their body, you know, can, can birth a baby. They, they have a hard time having faith and trust that like their Mm -hmm. body was actually designed to do what it was designed to do. And they feel like having a test run in the hospital is a wise choice. So Mm -hmm. was that something that went through your mind? And if so, how did you work through that? Yeah. So it definitely kind of did. Um, but you know, that saying, like, you don't have to stick your nose in the garbage to know that it stinks. It's like, you really don't need to have a test run. Um, you don't need to have, uh, the potential, you don't need to put yourself in the situation that you might potentially have a bad and traumatic birth to know that birthing in the hospital isn't the right thing to do. And for the majority of people, you probably have a low risk pregnancy. You probably can birth at home in a healthy and a safe way. And I think something that, um, like helped me think about it a little bit better was that, you know, midwives, they have their licenses on the line. They're not going to put you in harm's way. They're not going to put you in a dangerous situation because why would they risk something like that? You know? Um, And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they really do care for you more than I think a doctor would who has thousands of patients, you know? Yeah. Thousands of patients and then a lot of liability insurance. (laughs) I think we seem to forget that that is how our medical system is ran. Like the insurance companies just basically Mm -hmm. are running the hospital system because of things that they put in place um, to protect these doctors and keep the system going. It's so insane once you start looking deeper into it, but Yeah. And you had Dr. Stu on your show, Mm -hmm. which I love him. And something that he said in a recent um, podcast I was listening to was that, you know, the OBGYNs and just doctors in general are really taught to be fearful. 
and especially fearful of birth. So it's like, you know, when they get a pregnant mom that's in labor that comes to deliver, they're scared. They don't want this to happen. They don't want that to happen. So they're going to do all of these interventions that may not be necessary, but they do them out of fear. Um, and then something else that I realized too, just working in the medical system was that they make a lot of decisions based on uh, convenience and not really what's best for the patient. So it's kind of like, well, it'd be easier if we did this. Um, yeah. And so I think what a lot of first time moms don't really realize is that all the interventions that the doctors do for typical births have a lot of bad side effects that kind of lead to something else. And that leads to more interventions and those have bad side effects. And that leads to more intervention. You know, it's kind of like a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, we call that the cascade of interventions. And oftentimes that does start even during pregnancy with the amount of ultrasounds you're getting. And then yeah. of course they're seeing things that they're, they're like, we don't quite know what that is because technology is limited and it can't tell mm -hmm. you everything. So then you're either labeled high risk or you're just monitored a little bit more and then add the free fear on top of everything. I mean, I had never heard of the cascade of interventions. And I feel like as a first time mom, that is something that you should be very aware of, especially if you're going to choose to birth into the system because it, it's protective like of you to know, okay, if I start this one intervention, oftentimes it leads to the next, to the next. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And definitely for first time moms too. I'm like, no matter where you are, if you deliver in a hospital setting, or if you are at home, you definitely should have a doula because they are so knowledgeable and, you know, whatever, um, however you form your plan of care or, you know, your birth plan, they will really, really help you to maintain, you know, what your goal is. Yeah, for sure. So take us back to you decided to have a home birth. What was your next step after you made that decision? Like we're going to yeah. do it. Then what? Yeah. So we decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, um, so yeah, we found a midwife and, um, at the time, and I think it is still this way too. So this, this is in New York. Um, and so now we live in Tennessee, we've been here for about a year, but so my only option in New York were two different midwives and one of them I called and they had been doing it for many, many years. And they're like, oh, well, we'll be on vacation during your due date. <laughs> So, but we know of, you know, so-and-so. Um, and so I ended up going with her. I mean, really, because I had no other options. Um, but yeah, what I really liked about my midwife was that she had been in the hospital setting for about 10 years and then decided, you know what, I really like the home birth setting. And so I liked that because I knew that she knew all of the policies that are normal in the hospital setting and how they're not necessary you know, in the home birth setting. So yeah, so we picked a midwife and um, yeah, I just really dove into everything home birth. Like I wanted to listen to all the podcasts. We were taking a Bradley method birthing course together, my husband and I, um, and I just wanted to learn about everything. And so I feel like a lot of that helped calm my fears. Um, yeah, because I feel like often, you know, the more knowledge that you're able to give yourself, the easier it'll be for sure. Oh, yeah. Knowledge is power for sure. And I think that's why like the birth course industry is so huge because women are eating up like, oh, I I can know things and it really does help to calm some of that fear. But I'm curious, do you remember any of those 
like top fears that you had and that you had to work through, especially the first time mom? Yeah. Yeah. So I will say, so for first time moms, it's very normal for you to go past 41 weeks. Um, and that will not happen in the hospital setting. They oftentimes will not let you get past 40 weeks. So, you know, when you do a home birth, um, and you know, you're approaching, you're going way past your due date, you start to get kind of scared. So when I had my daughter, I was 10 days overdue, which, you know, it's, it feels like it's a very stressful thing, but it's actually very, very normal. It's very normal for first time moms who are having home births, you know, without interventions to give birth at 41 and two to three days. That's what my midwife told me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely a really big fear that I had. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, you know? And just like normal fears, like when you're around like 25, 26 weeks, you're like, oh no, my baby isn't head down. Is that bad? And you know, just all these different things. Yeah. That come up. Um, but it's really nice to have a midwife because I feel like she really prepares you and gives you the education that you need to make, you know, the choices that you need to make. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. Yeah, most babies are born but be- before 41 weeks and three days. And if your mom, I'm curious, did your mom or sisters have babies that were overdue? So my mom actually had my sister and I, so I'm number one, my sister being number two, two weeks early. So I had it in my head. I was like, you know what? I think this baby's going to come two weeks early. <laughs> yeah. And that's a detriment, man. I hear so many moms be like, I know I'm going to go early. And then if you go even a week past your due date, that's three weeks later than what you were expecting. And it's total mental torture. So Exactly. And that was me. That's where I was at. Yeah. So another thing I want to touch on too is a lot of first time moms, they're like, I don't know though. I don't know if I can handle the pain. And you know, I feel like oftentimes in birth, all we know is like what we see in the movies and the same thing for like falling in love. Like however the movies say, like that's how it's going to happen, right? Right. And so, yeah, like a classic, you know, labor scene is on your back in a bed screaming. And my birth was not like that at all. And I think most births aren't really that way, you know, in the home birth setting. Um, Yeah. And so for me, I have a very low pain tolerance. Like I'll get stung by a bee and I will cry. (laughs) So I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's a good point. You don't need a high pain tolerance mm-hmm. to give birth naturally. I think that is one of the greatest misconceptions out yeah. there. Um, I hear it all the time. So I'm so glad you you touched on that. I'm curious, was that um, a fear that you were able to work through in your pregnancy? Or was that something where you just had to did you just suppress a fear until you got to labor and then you were like, oh, I actually can handle this? At what point did you kind of figure out like, I don't, I can do this? Yeah. So like I said, I kind of just like dove in. I wanted to know everything about home birth. I wanted to learn everything that I could about birth. Um, so I got into like the Christian hypnobirthing. And um, so I had that app playing like while I was in labor. Um what else? Yeah. I did the Bradley method, that class. And so it talked a lot about, um, you know, the the things you can do to help manage your pain. 
I talked to my doula a lot. She helped me a lot. I'm really into like essential oils and stuff like that. So I had those, um, yeah, things like that, different techniques. And so when I went through the Bradley method, they suggested like, why don't you practice like different labor positions that'll help you. And so I kind of felt like I had a lot of, um, head knowledge Mm -hmm. and it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, I guess I just have to experience it now. Like there's not much left really to do. And so I think I went into it, um, not, not with a lot of fear, but with a lot of curiosity, Mm. I think because of all the knowledge that I had. And, but I think if I didn't have that knowledge, it would have been fear instead of curiosity. That is powerful. I think that is something that every woman, I, I hope you hear that listeners, like fear can be turned into curiosity through knowledge. I think that's powerful. Like, entering something especially as powerful as labor with the curiosity instead of fear can really diminish the tension which diminishes the pain it's that fear pain tension cycle or fear fear, tension pain cycle and so that that's a super powerful thing I love that okay so now can we get into your birth I'm really excited to hear Uh, 10 days over I love it I also go very past my due date most of the time (laughs) so tell us it gets down to 10 days after your due date how do you know you're in labor what is that like what does it start like Yeah. So I was having a ton of Braxton Hicks and actually a week before uh, I actually did go into labor, I kind of had like a pre-labor situation going on where I thought I was in labor and my Braxton Hicks seemed to, I think they were four minutes apart or something. I was timing them. And my husband even took off the next day off of work. I think it was a Sunday. And so my midwife was like, why don't you just take a nap and relax? And, you know, and so I did. And then I think I went to bed early around seven. And then I woke up the next morning at seven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm still pregnant. But yeah, so a week later, um, my midwife had me go in for an ultrasound just to make sure that everything was okay. So I had that. I also had a chiropractor appointment and yeah, so I went to my chiropractor appointment, which I really think probably helped and maybe got things started. So yeah, that's a really big thing that I want first time moms to know, like definitely look into a chiropractor because I feel like my pregnancy really wasn't painful. I really had no, you know, issues with, um, you know, like my daughter's positioning or anything like that. And I really attribute it to the chiropractor. Um, but yeah, so I had my appointment that morning. I was having a lot of Braxton Hicks, but I'm like, "Uh, whatever. It's just another day with Braxton Hicks again. And, um, yeah. And then I went for my ultrasound that was around one o'clock and afterwards I was kind of hungry. I'm like, all right, let's go to the restaurant. You know, let's stop here on the way home. And when I got out of the car, which looking back, I'm like, I definitely think my water slightly broke or maybe like higher up. It kind of broke because I was like, I feel kind of wet, you know, like that's kind of weird, but I was like, I'm probably just sweaty. You know how it is when you're so far along, you're like, oh, I'm just so done being pregnant. So we went to the restaurant and towards the end, when we were done with our meal, I was like, I really think we have to go home. I don't know. It just feels kind of different. So 
trying to think by the time we got home, it was like four o'clock. And so I texted my doula and I let her know. And she's like, okay, well, I'm right around the corner. So whenever you want me to come and I let my midwife know, and she's like, I definitely think you're in labor. So just call me when you need me. So then I think an hour later, I kind of was like, you could just hear it in my voice. You know, as I was like talking to my doula, she's like, yeah, it sounds like you're in labor. So I was like, okay, you can come over. So she came over and we just had music playing, essential oils going, and she was just so nice and relaxing. I was just slumped over the exercise ball on my bed. And um, yeah, she was like giving me a hand massage and a foot massage. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all about this. And yeah, so I just tried to be very calm very quiet, just like in the zone, kind of like falling asleep-ish, you know, kind of like that. And so I, yeah, I was tolerating the contractions really, really well. And I wouldn't say they were painful. It just felt like I got my period again. So it was really good. And then, um, let me think probably four hours later, my water broke. I had to pee. And so as soon as I sat down on the toilet, it broke. And nothing came out, but I felt the pop and I was like, oh no, it's about to get real. And so I made my way back to the bed and it broke all over the bed. And I was like, all right, it's going to get painful. And it did. And I was like, oh dear. And so those, yeah, it was really helpful to have my midwife there helping or my doula there helping me through the contractions and just trying to stay calm, trying different positions. And at this point, my midwife was there and I think the birth pool was just about ready because I was, you know, adamant because of my mom's, um, you know, just raving about the water birth. I was like, that's what I want to have. So yeah, so the pool was all ready. And as soon as I got into the pool, Mm -hmm. it almost felt, the contractions felt like before my water broke, Mm -hmm. which was so amazing to me. I was like, oh, how nice. Cause I thought that, you know, moving forward, they would be as painful as they were. So yeah, so that was really nice. Yeah. Water is nature's epidural. It's mm-hmm. real. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even like, sometimes I talk to some friends and I'm like, oh, do you want to do a water birth? And they're like, eh, I'm not really like a bath person. And I'm like, me neither. I never take baths, but you know, just for that comfort, the warmth, I don't know. It was, it was just amazing. It lifts your belly up that yes. gives some support. Yeah. It's so nice. So how far along do you think you were? Were you like pretty in active labor when you got into the pool or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say ever since my water broke, I was for sure in active labor. Um, oh yeah. And so to jump to the beginning, when I, um, went for that ultrasound, the day I went into labor, I was already 80% of face. And I think I was three centimeters and I had already had two membrane sweeps. Oh, wow. Okay. So was my that midwife, something your midwife did? Okay. It was something she suggested. And I kind of was like very fearful that, I would go way too late and I'd have to transfer to the hospital. So I kind of was like, all right, let's try to get things going. Cause you know, I really didn't want to go to the hospital. Um, so yeah, so we did the two membrane sweeps, I think a day or two apart from each other. Um, but yeah, so it was just nice to know that I was pretty much a hundred percent of you know, 80%. I'm like, okay, almost there already three centimeters. So I'm like, okay, that's better than nothing. Um, but yeah, so the whole time I was in labor, my midwife never checked me. 
which I think is amazing. And I think is very telling of midwives. They can literally just watch you and how you're doing in your contractions, the noises that you're making, the moans that you're making, and they already know like pretty much where you're at. Yeah. It's amazing. There's so so many little tips and tricks of like, even there's a line that kind of creeps up your back when you're fully dilated and your sacrum kind of makes up a bump on your back and you can know, okay, well, baby's super close. So there's just those little things that you don't know about if you birth in the hospital all the time, but it's quite fascinating that you don't need all of the modern technology to tell you a lot of different things when you're in labor. It's true. Yeah. It's so amazing. So yeah. So once I got in the tub, I think I was in the tub for about four hours. Um, and I pushed for one and a half. Um, but yeah, so sorry to go back a little bit when I was in transition, I just remember it just being like quiet and nothing happened for like a minute. And I was just looking around and I was like, Oh, am I in transition? Because I knew that like, okay, yay, we're at the end, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. My midwife was like, maybe I think so. I love, so like good midwives don't tell you where you're at. They just let it be. It's mm-hmm. so great because I think we can start assessing. I know for me, like being around birth, I'm constantly assessing my own labor. And in order to get out of that, like my, my friends just won't tell me anything. They're just like, let her be <laughs> because mm-hmm. she'll overanalyze. So I love that your midwife did that. Um, just yeah, let you kind of stay in the zone and out of the assessing brain. Um, that's really powerful. So how did you know you were ready to start pushing? Well, I kind of just got this and, you know, when you do all the birthing courses and stuff like that, they tell you, you might have the sensation that you have to poop. And so I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, I feel like I do. And so in my head, I was thinking like, okay, then it must be time. Um, so looking back, I'm like, I probably started pushing a little bit too soon. I probably could have waited a little bit. So I'm like, well, for the next time around, I'll just try to hold off as long as I can, I think. Um, but yeah, I kind of just had that sensation and my midwives were like, yeah, I mean, if you feel like it, you can try and see what happens, you know, but yeah, it was just so crazy because towards the end, which now I know is normal and I don't know, I don't know if I was taught it and I just forgot it in that moment, but you know, almost like right about when her head was crowning, she would go out a little bit and back in and out and in. And I was like, wow this is crazy. So yeah, you know, being a first time mom, there's so many things that I think even people forget to tell you because they're just such tiny little details that I don't know, they don't think to warn you or whatever. So yeah, that's one of the things that I like to tell my first time mom friends. I'm like, you might feel like it's like in and out and in and out, but that's normal, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. I think that there are those things that if we were in community and birth was so normalized, these might be things that we just talk about more often. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, I think, especially if you're a mom, like on an epidural, you're not feeling it as Mm -hmm. much. And so there's just things that aren't shared anymore. And you're right. If you don't know that that's a very normal thing, it can feel a little scary. Like, oh, is my baby stuck? Or is it just not working? I'm not 
I not pushing right. There's so many things. So I love that you brought that up too. Like that's a important thing to know, like extremely normal. They don't mm-hmm. always just come down in one push and then out sometimes, not always though. And especially yeah. not for a first time mom. So um, you push for an hour and a half uh, at any point where you're like, is this, you know, am I going to be done soon? Or what, what was going yeah, to So I do remember, pushing? yeah, I do remember this one thought where I was like, oh, okay. So this is what people mean when they say they want pain meds and like, they feel like they have to be in the hospital, but like, I never felt scared. I felt like, I don't know the, the way that the contractions came and how they built over time. I was like, it's definitely tolerable. And, you know, coming from a person, like I said, that I will cry if I get stung by a bee, I was like, this is a very manageable thing. And I think too, you know, like I was saying, like just with the knowledge that definitely helped a lot because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, like my, everything's just opening up for my baby to come out and this is normal. And, you know, um, so that helped a lot, but, um, I'm trying to pick up where I left off, but yeah, so I was pushing for like an hour and a half and I had that sensation of her coming in and out, in and out. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then my baby was born. I will say, so she was almost nine pounds and I'm only five, one. So I'm not a very big person and I had a pretty big baby and I only had a first degree tear that just needed a couple cosmetic stitches. So I know that's a huge fear. That's definitely a fear that I had. And, oh yeah, I remember when we weighed her and I was like, I definitely have a fourth degree tear for sure. Like I was like, everything is just going to be a disaster down there. And my midwife was like, nope. I mean, we don't even really have to do stitches, but I think it might help you. Wow. I was really shocked to find that out. And I think the water birth really helps with that. And like I said, just like having the knowledge, I think it really helped. um, Yeah, really helped with the whole tearing situation. Yeah. And you took your time with pushing. I think a lot of times if women are bringing in a lot of fear to the pushing stages and are like, I just need to get it done. And they like exactly. and bear it and like push through it. As mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of nasty tears happen because they're like, I just need the baby out, you know? Exactly. And it's that last moment of fear that pushes the baby out and causes some massive tearing. So mm-hmm. you were patient, you let your body do what you needed to do. And yes, the pool and the warmth um, really does help with that. So, mm-hmm. Okay nine pound baby. Oh my goodness. I love that. And what, uh, you just proved so many, I don't know, misconceptions wrong when it comes to smaller petite women and Mm -hmm. big babies. Um, you know, if you were in a hospital, you probably would have been encouraged to be induced. Oh, for sure. Like 39 weeks, you know, all the growth, uh, ultrasounds and everything like that. So yeah, I still laugh, like looking back at pictures from when I was pregnant, I have this one picture 
where like, you know, I don't, I don't have a shirt on. I'm just like in like a little sports bra and like my leggings. And, um, and I just look like I swallowed a watermelon. Like really, like I was huge. I was very, very pregnant looking and yeah, for sure. I would have been induced and you know, what comes along with that. It's like, baby might not tolerate it. Well, heart rate is going to be all over the place. And they're going to say you need an emergency C-section and, you know, and that seems to be kind of just like the, the cookie cutter template for first time moms. It's very, very common. And I mean, to have a baby alone and to have to like heal from that and, you know, all the things that come with it and breastfeeding and figuring all this stuff out. And then on top of it, to have to heal from a C-section, which is a very, very intensive surgery. It just, it really does. It sets you up for failure. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. So postpartum, how did that go? How did nursing go? Bonding? Um, yeah. So, um, oh yeah. So one part I forgot was, so after I had my daughter, my midwife was like, you know what, you're kind of bleeding a little bit more than I'd like you to. And when she was looking at my labs throughout my pregnancy, um, I wasn't anemic, but I definitely was on the lower side. So I started taking iron supplements and stuff like that, which I think really helped. Um, but yeah, so I did have a minor hemorrhage. Um, I know now the parameters for blood loss is about like a thousand mls and so but at the time i think it was 500 and so i was at like 750 Mm -hmm. and so she was kind of like it's a little bit more than i'd like you know we can kind of like wait it out give it a little bit more time but i really want to give you pitocin so she gave me pitocin i am i also got methogen um and that helped things But yeah, like, so in saying that, I just want like first time moms to know that even if some things may not turn out perfectly, like obviously hemorrhaging a little bit is not a perfect situation, but midwives are so wise. They're so knowledgeable and it's not like, I don't know. I used to have this perception of midwives being like this old lady that comes out of the woods and I don't know. Sometimes delivers your baby with like that. <laughs> I know. Sometimes they are. <laughs> delivers your baby with bare hands and no gloves. Uh-huh. You know, that was my perception. Um, but it's like, no, they have medicine. They have IVs. They have all these things. They have a ton of knowledge. So yeah. So after I got those meds, um, I felt a little bit woozy. So she started a line and I got some fluids and you know, so she was able to get me to the place where I was like, okay, I feel fine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so breastfeeding was really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, oh man, if uh, there's so many things I wish I could have told myself, you know, I just remember like sitting in my bed and my husband's there and my lactation consultant's there and like the baby's two days old and I'm just crying and I'm like, this isn't working. And, you know, but with all the support that I had, it worked. And yeah, I breastfed her till she was like 13 months old and yeah, it just like, yeah. So I feel like that's almost another thing that not not a lot of people talk about just all the, all the troubles that you have with breastfeeding. And so I feel like the more, we normalize talking about birth in general, the more we normalize talking about, um, you know, like how postpartum is and, um, yeah, just like things like that. I think the more knowledge first time moms have, the more they'll feel like, oh, okay. It's not the end of the world. It'll be okay. You know? Yeah. And I think what you said is key, like the support you had 
really helped you be successful. And I think that so many women are not able to breastfeed longer than, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months. Like Mm -hmm. very few women are breastfeeding after six months. Yeah. Um, And so I think part of it is one, we're not talking about how we're not normalizing breastfeeding at all. And then two is there is a major lack of support. Like most, most women have no idea like that a lactation consultant can even come to your home. I think that's revolutionary. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to leave your house and, you know, Mm -hmm. pack everybody up. I think honestly, that is a huge, um, huge reason why a lot of women stop breastfeeding is they just don't feel supported enough. So um, yeah. yeah, it is really hard, but yeah, like you said, as long as you have the right support, I feel like it, you can do anything, right? You yeah. just need the right resources. And especially now, like in the world that we live in, like, I mean, I, if it weren't for Instagram, I wouldn't know who you are really, you know? And so like now there's so many different ways to meet people, to have resources. And a lot of these resources are free too. And so I think that's, yeah. So for the first time, mom, I'm like, the world is your oyster. Like you can like pack your brain as much as you want. And, um, yeah, I think it's really important to like build your village, um, you know, while you're pregnant. So you have all these good things so that when baby comes, it's like, all right, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, there's, there's so much, um, focus on birth, which is a good thing, you know? But also postpartum, you got to focus on that almost a little bit more than the birth Um, because yeah, there's just a lot to it. Yeah. Oh, there is. And there's a lot of things that you can do to help facilitate and plan for a peaceful postpartum. So it is really all encompassing because your birth does bring in, it does impact your postpartum experience. And so that's why it is important. But if you're forgetting a whole other piece, then like your postpartum time lasts for a very, very long time while you're, I mean, you're always postpartum. (laughs) Like I'm, my baby's 10 months and I still feel like I'm not quite back to, you know, feeling in my body yet, which is so crazy. And I think, again, it's not something a lot of people talk about. You just, there's this, postpartum brain fog. Um, yeah, yeah, which is real, but then, yeah, you're right. Building your village during your pregnancy in preparation for postpartum is huge, like set you up for success. Huge. So I Mm -hmm. just love, um, your story. And I think it is so helpful, especially for first time moms. Um, a lot of women just aren't even considering it because, we've been told that birth is dangerous and birth, you need to test run and all of these things that we talked about. So I love that. Um, what, is there any last piece of advice or any comments that you would like to give my audience and tell moms out there? Yeah. I mean, I would just say that, um, especially being a first time mom and, um, you know, just growing up in the medical system, knowing how the medical system is, um, you know, pregnancy is like a pre-existing condition. Like, you know, it's like, like it's, there's something wrong with you and no pregnancy is a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a normal part of life. 
And, you know, the Lord made our bodies the way that they should be for them to function the way that they should be. And if, um, not to say that sometimes they don't work because sometimes things do go wrong. That's totally normal. Um, but yeah, that's why we do have medical things. That's why we do have interventions for when those things do go wrong, but we shouldn't just assume from the get-go that they're wrong and we have to fix them. There's nothing to be fixed. And, you know, like I said, the Lord made our bodies the way he made them, the way that they're supposed to function. And if we just leave them alone, they probably will do what they need to do. Yes. We just need to support them and come alongside them and, you know, and then intervene when we need intervention. Yep. Totally. But yeah. So no, for the first time mom, that's like my, my passion. I'm like, Oh, first time moms. Like if only I could go back and like tell myself so many things, um, just because, you know, it's such a crucial time. It's the first time. So it's like, you don't really know what to expect. You don't really know what you're doing, but yeah. So I've, I have a, a couple um, blog posts in my drafts that I'm going to be like publishing, but yeah. So I'm kind of like on a rampage of like for the first time, mom, things I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. I love that. And speaking of how can we connect with you and I'll put all the links below, but just tell us where we can connect and. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and my username is a simpler Vita. So my mom's Dominican. So I speak a little bit of Spanish. So Vita means life. So a simpler life. Yeah. So a simpler Vita. That's my Instagram. And then that's also my blog. So a simpler Um, But yeah, those are the ways you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Natasha, for coming on. Thanks so much. It was so fun to talk to you. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.